Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Batwoman Season 2. The series is based on the DC Comics character of the same name and set in the Arrowverse continuity. Caroline Dries, who developed the series, returned as showrunner for this season. It is the first season to star Jabisha Leslie as Ryan Wilder, a vigilante who succeeds Kate Kane in the role of Batwoman. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, replacing your main actress for a show for a season two without the main actress coming back for anything when every single one of your plot threads from the previous season was running through her character. Not an easy thing. <laughs> Just not an easy like, mission statement to start a, a, any season of TV. Um, yeah, it's, this is one of the reasons we, was, we were so keen to do this was because how do you, how does anyone get over that massive hurdle? Uh, the answer, of course, is like two episodes of exposition. <laughs> it is, it's bizarre because what you've got here, you've got characters in a show and what they're reacting to is the actress who played Kate Kane leaving the show. <laughs> like the, yeah. what happened in the real world impacted the characters and the storyline of season two. Yeah, and it's such a, uh, we discussed this uh, previously, but I'm not sure if it was on a previous podcast, but the normal way to have dealt with this would have been just to recast Kate Kane, which they did do, I was, but not yes. to replace Kate Kane. They re- used her as like a thing later on in the season, but yeah, to not have that continuity regardless of whether you uh, have the original actress or that and as a way of a clean way of like, oh, uh, I need, I, I have to go. My home planet needs me. Please take care of this thing while I go away. I trust you. They didn't get to do any of that, like actual handoff of the legacy from uh, one character to another. It was, uh, it was almost like a season one where they had all this stuff running in the background from other shows. <laughs> It was a bit like it's typical of an Arrowverse show in that way, but yeah, it's um I have to say it probably succeeded a lot more smoothly than I thought it was going to be. I, my fear was I'd spend half the season watching this, going, I still don't buy this, I still don't buy any of this, but you know you just have to accept those first two episodes of like. Has his, his entire character's backstory and history, and now we can tell the story again. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird move, but you're right. It does, for the most part, it does work. But I've got to think that you, you mentioned we do eventually get Kate Kane back in the show. Yeah. It's Wally's day. We saw her in Krypton. She was on that show. Yeah. I don't think it was always the plan. To have Kate no. come back because they were trying to move away from that character. And then, was it the mid-season? It's moving back towards her. But saying yeah. that, though, even though you've got this new character, Ryan Wilder, 
she's hanging around with Kate's friend, Luke, Kate's half-sister, Mary, Kate's dad. It's still very much a Kate Kane show, but without Kate Kane. Yeah, she's hanging out with her ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yes, and, yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. It's it's it stands out with the strangeness, and because of that, like you said, bringing the idea of Kate Kane being back mid-season feels like a oh maybe we'll do this, and then from that point on, I I kind of felt like the writing room going back and forth of like, what are we gonna do if we actually bring it back? Like, do people would would people prefer we just handed get back to Kate Kane? What do we do with Ryan Wilder then if we do that? Like, are we going to piss off the people who suddenly like this? And you could feel that happening almost in real time from episode to episode as suddenly there's a lot less screen time for Ryan Wilder while they take care of all this other stuff. And it almost like he had her half the show for Batwoman and half the show for Alice on this weird adventure. And even with Alice's support characters, like it felt like they had wrapped up her storyline yep. midway through the season and like, Oh, the, the character of ocean's dead. And they've dealt with all this stuff with, um, Sophia. And then no, he's back. He's not actually dead. And <laughs> Sophia is still angry and still all this stuff. And you're like, wait, what? Huh? And then I, you've got this mind control. Richard's yeah. daughter. Yeah. We've got that and going it, on. It all at that felt to me like, oh, do you know how we said uh from Julie Pennyworth that she found a part of Kate's skull? Uh she was brainwashed. She she didn't actually find it. It felt like kind of wave washy of like, oh <laughs> we need to backpedal that. How do we do this? Like she would have DNA tested it. She's a professional, she's not an idiot. Uh, and then they just like, oh, now what do we do with Julie Pennyworth? Off to Germany. She's decided she's been brainwashed to leave the the city. Like, yeah, there's a lot of those. It felt kind of at times like we were watching what was thrown against the wall to see what stuck. Yeah. Which overall, the, the course of the season, it all kind of smoothed its way back out. But while it's happening from episode to episode, I did spend a lot of time looking looking at the screen going, wait, what? Huh? Wait, what? Oh, we're, we're back to this? What? Oh, why? Oh, it's going away now. Oh, wait, no, we're back. Wait. Who? What? Just pick a, pick, pick a choice. Pick, I, I did feel like there's one episode specifically. Uh, I don't like to go in specifically two episodes, but I'm pretty sure it was. I've survived worse. Uh, which was episode eight, which is like smack bang in the middle of the ep- of the season, where all like everything felt like it was getting wrapped up, and then in the course of like ten fifteen minutes, all those were undone again and then redone. Then like, like like I felt the direction shift multiple times of like where they were going to take the rest of the season in the same episode. I'm like, uh, don't like this. <laughs> This felt like it needed some editing. We have absolutely just jumped straight in. We're all over the place. <laughs> I'm going to scale it back a little bit. We're going to go back. Yeah, I'll we'll set go. Us up. I'll set us up with a plot. We'll take a breath. Yep. And then we'll work our way, our way through it. 
yeah. in season two of Batwoman, when Ryan Wilder first discovers Kate Kane's Batsuit, she has no idea how drastically her life is about to change. A sassy, smart lesbian with a difficult past, Ryan sees the suit as her chance to finally be powerful and no longer a victim as she survives in the tough streets of the city. I want to say this. If you ever looked online for a plot description, they all referenced the fact that she's a lesbian. Every single one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the character it, is a lesbian. There's same-sex relationships in the show, but it's in the plot. Yeah, um, which I understand because, again, as we discussed, all of your, your existing plot threads existed around Kate Kane and Batwoman herself in comics is like a very prominent, well-regarded gay character um, because of how well it's handled on the page. You know, we've, we've discussed, we discussed this with the season one of, you know, uh, what Grant Morrison and J.H. Williams did with, and Greg Rucker with the, uh, the creation of this character and, the, and Greg Rucker and J.H. Williams and then just J.H. Williams uh, um, did with and Hayden Blackman of making her a complete person who is gay and it's not a defining trait. She's just there she is and she's gay and it, or it's just a thing. It's not like a central core characteristic and it also happens to be in the comics the best written relationship period i've ever read in on a comic book page i don't think you could have uh brought in a new character and taken all that away because she kate has established a gay pride bar and all these other things it would be really shocking to have a show with that establishment in the tone and then take it all away um there is some stuff later on that obviously was affected by the news of the time with, I mean, now you have three of your main cast members being of African-American descent and all the Black Lives Matter stuff like are coming through, which also makes a lot of sense in a city like Gotham. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's for them to, to, I almost felt they spent, they, well, they did in my opinion, spend a lot less time on Ryan's sexuality for this season than they did with Kate's in yes, season one. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, I think they'd established it with Kate and then they just go straight into it with, with the Ryan Wilder character. You know, yeah. that, that first season, and I've seen Ruby Rose in, in a few things. I did struggle with her in that first season. I think we talked about it on the, on the review. Yeah, there's like a stiffness to her. I I don't know, like an awkwardness. There was just something. I don't know if it was Ruby Rose or what she was doing to, you know, as the character. But what we're getting from Javisha Leslie for me is it's just a more natural performance. Yeah, she also has a, a larger build. And that this is something else that you have to, with Ruby Rose. You had to give like a, a little bit of suspension of disbelief. She is a tiny lady. 
She is very, very petite. Um, really good with the stunt work, but it's still you like, yeah, she like who is this? What is she like? Five foot four? Is she like, really? And she's I taking. I didn't realize. I, I think. I think she's. I believe she's quite short. Um, okay. In fact, if you watch, if you look at a screenshot from season one of her standing next to the co-stars, and then you look at Javisha Leslie, you can see a significant height difference, right. and also. Wallace Day is also significantly taller than Ruby Rose when you look at her height compared to the other actors on the show. Um, so I find the physicality of Javisha Leslie uh, more believable. Um, you know, she just, as you said, she just was more comfortable. She just seemed her body language was less stiff. Um, you know, that being said, Ruby Rose did lose, leave the show having um, complained of some injuries. Maybe that is what we're seeing. The, uh, the effect of the, rec- yeah, the doing the stunt work is affecting her, um, her, in the, her normal shooting, uh, scenes, which, you know, I don't think we'll ever get a, a definitive one on that. But well, I, also, is... I also heard something recently, apparently she was having a allergic reaction to the soup. That's something that came out later on. Well, yeah. you're right. We'll never, I think definitively know the reason why. Yeah, I have to say, I do think also the costume was better this season. Uh, Javisha Lee's wig, much better than the, the, oh, the cheap party wig yes. from season one. <laughs> I mean, I think they improved on the wig slightly in season one compared to what we got in the Elseworlds crossover, where it was almost yeah. like an illuminous red. But yes, I agree. We're getting a much better wig and and costume. There is there's some changes. She gets a Batmobile. Oh yes, yeah. But it's one of those things where it was in the cave all along. They just didn't yeah. know. Apparently, yeah. um, the Batmobile was supposed to first appear at the end of season one, but they had to shorten but, the season. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not surprised. Um, also. As a as a car guy, I straight away spotted. I'm like, oh, you got a 2019 Corvette. Nice. <laughs> it's so obvious what the car was to me, but it's cool. You know, Captain America it drove is. around in one of those and Winter Soldier. Oh, really? Oh, there you go. Yeah. But I do think, even though they intended for Kate Kane to have the Batmobile, it worked out well that we've got Ryan Wilder, a new Batwoman. And she's got something the other Batwoman didn't have. She's now got a Batmobile. Yeah. Also, in the comics, and also with the character of Kate Kane, the motorbike makes more sense. You know, she, as a person, rides a motorcycle and loves motorcycles. She's got the punk rock thing going on. Um, And more comfortable in herself in terms of her combat. And, you know, she, she selected to be Batwoman. Like, it was an active thing she pushed forward with a military background, that kind of thing where Ryan Wilder's character finds the suit and then like kind of eventually kind of falls into it. Those are different personality traits. The defensiveness of having a car around you also feeds into those two different character personalities. But yeah. um, But yeah, I think she did a really good job. Um, I mean, that's a positive. It's good. We both clearly like the character of Ryan Wilder and the performance we're getting from Javisha Leslie. Yeah. 
It's just, uh, and everyone else who, all the returning cast members as well, Alice, uh, played by Rachel Scarston, had to do a lot of heavy lifting this season. She did. Um, and her character was bra- dragged around as much as Ryan. Was. I know, but she's almost a different character. I mean, she's still yeah. Alice, but she was just, she was a, you know, presented as a psychopath, a villain. And that's yeah. all she was in that first season. And now she's got an on and off again relationship with Ocean. She's doing whatever she can to save Kate. She's just completely, yeah. Well, not completely because she's. You do still see that it's the same character, but they've changed her a lot. Yeah, and they give you the thing of, oh well, because her previous like single mindedness was because she was also brainwashed. Oh, (laughs) there's there's so much there's so much soap opera going on in here. I know we get it with the CW shows. But mind control, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's, it is very, it's almost like daytime soap opera. You know, I mentioned the showrunner earlier, Caroline Dries, and I was looking at what else she'd done. She'd worked on Smallville. So, oh, okay. Yeah. She's worked on a comic book adaption before. She also worked on Melrose Place. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe she's bringing some of that to this. Yeah, um, yeah. Luke Fox, played by Cameron Johnson, he's great. He is so good. Yeah, I agree. I, I just, I feel like his character development got held back this season with them having to do so much setting up for all of the new characters coming in. Not just you've got two major villains, you've got a brand new hero who's your main protagonist. Uh, you got a lot of stuff, you know, on, uh, you know, and it's a shame because he's so good. He's amazing. Um, but hopefully, given how this season ends, he has an even bigger role for season three. <laughs> <laughs> because it's that thing again, isn't it? This time, he went to a different area of the Batcave. Instead of finding a Batmobile, he finds a Batwing suit. Like yeah. His dad was designing which is cool, and they did a good job with the suit. Yeah, yeah, They absolutely. did a very good job. Apparently, when Cameras Johnson was first cast, all the way back with season one, he was told Batwing is the direction to go with his character. That's great. So he, they really made him wait. Yeah. <laughs> the end of season two. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's... All of his stuff, everyone who he interacts with, it's all believable. You know, when he gets the um, the episode where he runs into spoiler, all that stuff's great. The fact that we had spoiler in this yes, season, yes, Stephanie Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I had a lot of had a lot of fun with his character. I just he's the one I'm probably looking forward to what they do with most for season three. Because, again, I just feel like they had to postpone some of the, the plans for him for the unfortunate behind-the-scenes stuff with him. Yeah. Um, and if you remember, season one, it left us off with in an interesting place because the CW essentially, or the Arrowverse, cast Bruce Wayne. Although it's yeah. Tommy Elliott, 
Adi's face to look like Bruce Wayne. Essentially, what we were seeing for the first time in the Arrowverse, what Bruce Wayne actually looks like. Yeah, and that's played by Warren Christie. Um, and he he looks like a great Bruce Wayne. He's got he definitely has the looks. Um, his you know you got Tommy Elliot style playing for him, but uh, you know he's having to impersonate who the you'd imagine the characteristics of yeah. what Bruce Wayne is like in that universe. And I was I was down for it, but again because of all the other stuff, his, that his whole storyline got wrapped up quickly, rapidly, quickly he got like, pushed, uh, yeah, we, pushed to one side. Yeah, um, it's such a shame because I feel like they had, again, something that they're working towards to like, uh, we just have to eject this to, to, to set the trajectory we are in at the moment. Um, even when he comes back later on when uh, Luke Fox is comatose and he's like, you have to choose to live or to die. Um, and, you know, it, it's he's got good screen presence. Hopefully, with Kate Kane going off at the end of the season to, to track him down, he does come back later on. Um, you know, this Arrowverse still has plenty of shows running that you can have a Batman running around with your Batwoman and Batwing. Yeah, true. Yeah, and where's where's the Robins in all of this? <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah, there's no, there's been no mention. Yeah, yeah, it's because you can't use Titans because they've got a Bruce Wayne. He's a very different Bruce Wayne to what we have in this. A very so different just, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. He first of all, he's not missing. Second of all, he's much older than uh, Warren Christie. Yeah, I um, I I like what they're doing with Bruce Wayne on the Titan show. Yeah, as a Titan show, if it yeah. was a Batman show, maybe not so much. Well, you know the yeah, I, I like it. I know a lot of people have problems with with the actor. Is it Ian Glenn? Is that his? Yeah. Is that his name? I yeah. I like him. There was that episode where he was. I know this is not a Titans view, but there was <laughs> that episode where something like was it like Dick Grayson subconscious or he was yeah hallucinating yeah, something thought- was happening and he was doing the Batsui. I'm like, yeah. okay, you got me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am now on board with this Bruce Wayne. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I like same. It. That's, that's what sold it to me. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah. I was looking into it. So you mentioned so Warren Christie is who's playing Tommy Elliott, Bruce Wayne in in this season. Former Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow show winner Mark Guggenheim, he wanted Jensen Ackles. That's who he uh... wanted to be Bruce Wayne. I mean, it had been a little bit, I guess, because Supernatural was still happening at the time, a bit of stunt casting, I think, for the CW. But I could have seen Ackles doing that. I mean, he later got to voice Batman in Batman The Long Halloween. Yeah, and he uh, he definitely is a fan, being, you know, famously voiced Jason Todd in the phenomenal Under the Red Hood. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... I don't think it was ever going to work with his schedule. Like Supernatural, maybe wrapping up or has now wrapped up. 
like you know now he's going to be on boys season three as soldier boy like he's he's in demand you know he was he's, off the table for a lot of people for 16 years <laughs> and he's not com- did you hear he's not completely done with supernatural because they see cw are making the, win, a the prequel series and he's going to narrate the show oh wow there you go <laughs> yeah but, but yeah, anyway. i mean a great i mean a great yeah i mean you guess you could always bring him back in as the Arrowverse Robin, if he's yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. Up. I don't know what they're doing with with Robins, but there's. I mean, if Batwoman keeps on going, there's time for that. Yeah. You mentioned there's a couple of villains. One we've not really talked about: Roman Sionis, Black Mask, played yeah. by Peter Outerbridge. Yeah, he. Uh, he's great. He's. They've given him instead of just being the gangster like he is in the comics. They've made him uh, the cosmetics company like CEO, and he's kind of got this bitchiness when he's just being Roman Sionis and these like really well crafted snarky like one liners about blemishes and cover ups and that kind of stuff with in terms of Gotham, Um, and he's good. Like he's great with he's got good voice under the mask. He's he does really well. He does, um, but when I was watching it, it was hard not to think we've just had you and McGregor on the big screen. That's it's what I was hard not to. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> not to make those comparisons. But you're right in his own right. You know, he's he's doing his own take. But yeah, yeah. It, it's hard not to have those comparisons, especially so close together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's got an interesting crew, the false faces who all wear masks, but they're not uniform. They're just wearing a gas mask or a pig mask or a bunny mask or a baby mask. Like there's no, the only theme is they have their faces covered. Yep. It's not, not about what they're covering it with. Um, yeah. And, you know, eventually it takes a very long time for them to deliver what his actual motivations are. I mean, it's, it's the second last episode of the season when you actually get the complete motivation of what he's doing, not just like my daughter's dead and now I'm pissy, but like my daughter's dead because of this happened, this and this is the exact reason which you get in episode 17 of 18 of like, she was assaulted by a rich guy who got away with it. Uh, the crows covered it up. And of course the crows are run by, Jacob Kane, so he's got a problem with Kane's, and you're like, oh, and his daughter's ended up dead because of an Arkham breakout, um, yeah. and she wouldn't have been there if she hadn't been falsely imprisoned. You're like, ah, oh, okay. I could have kind of gotten when you should have given me that like half a season ago. Yeah, this like, um... it's always that thing of you have to establish your villainous motivations on the get on the early stage. It doesn't yes. have to be immediately. They can just show up like mustache twirling, but I need to get that sooner rather than later. <laughs> it really is a patchwork of a season, isn't it? Yeah. We're getting the new um, Batwoman, but then they're having to move all these characters around. Yeah. It, hmm. Jacob Kane. I think we mentioned him for the first time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Scott. Returning. Uh, yes, for and, the last time. And, uh, Again, he again massively sidelined. He massively. was massively a lot of season one. 
uh, and you get all this stuff with crows in season two, and it's all given to Sophie Moore's uh, from her perspective. Yeah, I'm like, his daughter is missing slash dead, and you and his other crazy daughter still out there, and his other other daughter is still a major part. <laughs> yeah, of the bat team, and he's getting. Maybe three minutes of screen time per episode, for the most part. It's it's it was noticeable how much screen time he'd lost in season two. Yeah. Um, so the idea that little... he's the idea that he's not coming back, I get it. Yeah. Because they 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 changed the focus and they were clearly changing the minds as they were putting this season together. And yeah, they got to a point where they're clearly going to go in a different direction for season three, and it doesn't include Jacob Kane and the Crows have been disbanded. Yeah, and even like, yeah, it's it just seems it's hard because he he's a he's a big name actor. He's probably the largest, uh, almost most well named uh, actor on the entire cast list. Oh, easily, easily. He was like a big get for season one, and then to just be like, oh, he doesn't fit our plans for season two. What do we do? Well, think about it. Season one, one daughter was the hero of the show, his other daughter, the villain of the show. Yeah. He had a lot to do. Yeah. And then, and then you two. take almost both of those away for season two. Yeah, it doesn't leave a lot with him. Um, yeah, it's. It's a big shame because he does a good job. And even like, you know, they do the thing with this character where they have a new drug that Black Mask is peddling, which is called Snake Bite, which allows people to relive a bad memory and change it to an outcome they wish it had been. Uh, and here's, of course, with the loss of Kate and the inability to have saved Beth when she was young. This is like, the the most perfect drug to possibly give him and then they do this whole setup of like yeah people are just it only takes one thing and it's hooks are in and that's it your hooks are always going to be in and then they have no space for that storyline and they just drop it completely every now and then you see him shooting up yeah (laughs) and then he's magically over it and then later on like he's being knocked out and he's going to possibly get killed by some corrupt crows. And they're like, Oh, look at this. He's got track marks in his arm. You're like, Oh, we're still doing that. I thought you'd gotten over <laughs> yes. it. It's shaved and everything. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, speaking of the crows, Sophie Moore played again by Megan Tandy. Who's great. Um, and they give her the, an antagonistic relationship with Ryan Wilder, which, you know, again, you've got to find ways to connect your main characters and that works given what you've set up for Ryan. And then, you know, she's smart the whole season. You're like, she's going to figure out who Batwoman is. She's going to yeah. figure it out. She's going to figure it out. And then she does. Mm. And then they do that whole thing of like, why, why do they do this on, t- on superhero TV shows when someone knows they kind of dance around the fact that they know instead of just going up to the person and being like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I know who you are. You can stop with the, the whole charade. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then they go yeah. to other characters. I think 
she knows. No, she doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, uh, pretty, pretty sure she does. Yeah, but I mean, this show, it does, it does have a good cast, but I do, again, think we're going to get a bit of a shake-up ahead of season three, although I'm very much hoping for a lot more of Batwing. It was great to yeah. see, see that costume. Because they had that episode, didn't they, where, where Luke was being profiled. Like yeah. Somebody was trying to break into his car. He was trying to fend them off. And he's the one that gets arrested. Yeah. Um, and, also, and with Sophie, that's why she leaves the Crows. And that's a big, another big thing for like the last quarter of a season. She's unemployed. And they don't address it. <laughs> and I'm like, is she just going to start working for Wayne Enterprises? No, she'll get a job do. at the bar. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They can all yeah. just hang out in the bar. Yeah, they got to do something because it's it's a it's a, a, a plot thread. I mean, granted, the last like four or five episodes of the season when she's unemployed seems to happen over like the course of a week, so it's not like it's so big thing but I'm like you didn't address it at all mm. that like she's worried about money or anything I'm like, eh, like so again I reckon you know the scribbling down on pieces of paper in the writer's room and now this happens and now this happens but what about this okay maybe we'll not show as much of that so we can show this but I thought we were yeah. going to do this no we're going to do that now I think there's a lot yeah. of that yeah a and lot of that going being, on. being a uh a, a network show not a streaming show they can't be like they've got you've got your 45 minutes and so we don't have time to get around to that this episode you can't just tack another 10 minutes on an episode because it's streaming and who who cares it's, it's streaming we can do whatever we want we can make it two hours if we want to fit in the stuff with it we need to to cover all these characters um which yeah and that's one of those small little plot threads that feels like and start of season three, they're gonna. I wouldn't be surprised if it does the small time skip and like we jump in and she's already working as like head of security for Wayne in the bat team and all that sort of stuff. She's got to be involved somewhere doing something. We do know one of the a new character coming into season three will be Renee Montoya. Ah, so there's she been, might go the GCPD been, route. Yes, there's been another another round of casting announcements as well, but that's the only character that I can recall. But Rene Montoya is going to be a big part of season three. Yeah, oh, that's good. Um, continuing with Bat Team, Mary Hamilton, Nicole Kang. She's she's back. She's great. They. She's a. Uh, She's put through the ring of this season as a character yep. in terms of uh, she lost her mother season one, season two opens without losing her sister. And now she's got it. And, and I, I do like that they use that as her becoming like a, the cheer squad for Ryan and Wilder because otherwise, you know, she's, she has to do the whole uh, trauma and all that sort of stuff of like her life uh, in depression and you can't do that because her dad's currently dealing with drug addiction <laughs> so how do you handle it you can't have two depressing 
people in depression, you've got to get one of them the other way. So, yeah, they again they bounce her around. They close her. They take away her underground practice only to give it back to her. Yeah, and that kind of stuff. She embraces being part of the bat team a lot more. But yeah, she's you know again what she's given, um, it works. She's consistently uh, good. I do, I yeah. do like her in this. Yeah, um, and I like the smarts that she has. It's, you don't just give her all the medical stuff. She's still a socialite, and they didn't forget that. Yeah. So when they have the whole stuff with the Napier painting and the wolf spider, and the the fans, the uh, socialite like queen bee guy, she knows because that's her crowd still. I'm like, yeah, that all worked really well. Um, and that was a good character as well, Wolf Spider. I thought he was quite interesting. Yeah, I've, re- I've read, it must have been a Batman comic where that character appeared. So I'm thinking around the time that Grant Morrison was writing him. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, or then again, um, maybe it was later, maybe it was Tom King, but I do recall Wolf Spider reading that character in the comics. Yeah, and these are the sort of characters as well. You're doing a Batman-esque show. You don't need to be going your Riddlers and your Poison Ivies and your Jokers. Like, you know, you can go these more obscure characters because you can put a, 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 your own spin without annoying people because there's not so much history attached to them. I mean, that's true. You, but you, you mentioned Poison lot. Ivy there. Yeah, and season three. <laughs> That might be a big thing. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yeah. But I get your point. Yeah. Um, you know, we've mentioned Arrowverse a couple of times. And for the most part, this season is fairly contained. It doesn't have a crossover like the first season of Batwoman had. Or well, then again, Batwoman, that launched on the back of the crossover, didn't it? But yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't have that. Like bef- when we got Batwoman season one, we'd already seen Kate Kane standing beside Grant Gustin, Flash, Stephen Amell, Arrow. We'd had that already. So for yeah. the most part, season two feels like it's in its own little bubble until John Diggle walks into town. Is <laughs> in a bar. I was so excited <laughs> to see John Diggle. I'm like, oh my god, Diggle. David Ramsey. And it's interesting, right? Over a matter of weeks, he was doing the rounds. He was on all of them. Yeah. He, he was in Legends of Tomorrow. I've not seen that episode yet, but I believe he's not playing Diggle, but a cowboy. Okay. It's Legends of Tomorrow. It doesn't need yeah. to make sense. He appeared, interestingly, on an episode of Superman and Lois. Ah. Which feels even more removed from the Arrowverse than Batwoman. But it is still connected. And you've got John Diggle interacting with Superman, Lois, John Emmy Irons. It's, it's all there. And they actually planned a crossover between Superman and Lois and season two of Batwoman. But they had to scrap it. Uh yeah, I got to imagine, you know, season two's had, had a lot of things, you know, your, your main actress leaving the show, uh, having to start a, 
you know, reintroduce a new protagonist, uh, COVID. <laughs> yeah. That was the reason. Yeah. You couldn't, yeah. So you couldn't in, uh, mix casts from multiple series to do your normal crossover amounts. Um, Melissa Benoist, I'm pretty sure, has stopped on Supergirl. So even though you set offici- up the. They've officially wrapped. Yeah. There's, I think, like a handful of episodes to be released. And for the most part, this final season, she's been away from the rest of the cast anyway. It's yeah, been a pretty so you... lackluster season, unfortunately. Yeah. And so, and with Kate not there, like, why would she be involved? Because she's go. the only person out of the bat team she knows. Although, like, she's not looking for a friend. Curious. <laughs> But you know, because you, Ruby you know Rose doesn't want to come back. That's why. Yeah, we know the reason is yeah, the, the main actress isn't there, and she can't uh, contaminate a different set that isn't part of her bubble. Well, in in the real world, yes, <laughs> that's yeah. what's actually happening. Uh, John Diggle also appeared in an episode of The Flash, so he really did the rounds. Like David Ramsey was busy so he was somehow able to visit all the sets because he was in all the all the different shows but i'm glad that he was though because it was great i mean going back to i mean arrow is where it all started yeah it it didn't just start with oliver queen it started with john diggle like he was there from the beginning yeah like literally episode one (laughs) well that's it so even though you know there's no more oliver queen in the arrowverse there's still john diggle so having him go around and help these other heroes on these other shows, and it was great. It was great seeing him. And I think, which one was it? It may have been his appearance on The Flash, and he made reference to the box with the green glow inside. Mm. And that he's put it off yeah. far too long. I think, or maybe it was Superman and Lois. If I'm honest, I can't remember. But John yeah. Diggle, he referenced the Green Lantern ring again. Yeah. So it's going to happen somewhere down the line. And I did hear, instead of doing the big crossovers that they normally do, because, you know, COVID restrictions, what they're going to do, I think it's like maybe the first five or six episodes of the next season of The Flash is going to be him teaming up with different heroes from different shows. Oh, that'd be interesting. So instead of getting everybody together, it's going to be more of a team-up approach, which sounds yeah. pretty cool. And maybe they're going to give us John Diggle as a Green Lantern. Who knows? Yeah. I'd like, I'd love to see him just end up on a show. It doesn't need to be uh, as Green Lantern, but I'd like to see Diggle on all the other shows because he's been such a, a staple of the Arrowverse. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned him quite a few times. Oh, we should actually, before we get to that character, we should probably talk about the other main villain of the, sh- the season, Sophia Sahail, mm. played by Shivani Guy. Um, a bit wish-washy with the character, unfortunately. There's, yeah. Her motivation seemed to be, like, is she Ra's al Ghul? Or, like-esque? Or, like, has she got some worldwide empire? Or is she just, like, I've just got this little island because... I, you know, it, they kind of flip flop between that, and it was hard to quite read. She has these assassins, a bit like Ra's al Ghul. Um, but the actress did a good job. It's just, yeah, 
her storyline was one of those ones where they kept kind of uh, ping-ponging it of like, oh, maybe uh, this way, no, this way, no, this way, no, this way. Um, which is a shame because the initial intrigue for the character for me was there. Yeah. And then... And then he just... They kept yeah, changing cut. the focus. They kept changing yeah. the focus. And if you look at the multiple villains in this season, unfortunately, that character is the least interesting. Yeah, she has interesting people around her. Um, I mean, Enigma, Evelyn Rhyme, is one of her like agents. And I said Daughter of the Riddler, played by Laura Mannell, a lot more to do because she's actively involved in multiple storylines for multiple characters. She's part of the brainwashing for both Ocean and Alice and Kate. And she's working on uh, stuff at a certain point with Jacob Kane. She's involved in heaps more. And then, and Sophia just seems to be, Massage twirling villainess, who is the yeah, is just moving the pieces on the board, and you never get clear motivation of why. It's like, oh, it's just I'm 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 balancing the scales. You balance the scales. Now you're balancing them again. Now I'm yep. rebalancing them. Like, uh, As you say, it's very Razal Ghul. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, one of those things that uh unfortunately was an effect of this season's uh, behind the scenes affecting the storylines in the show. Um, And then side character that came, like had a lot more to do agent Tavaroff played by Jesse Hutch, who was kind of their corrupt police guy for the season. Who you know he's he's a jock, he's an asshole, he's got a, a crew of like lackeys inside the crows. He's this he doesn't respect the authority above him of Sophie Moore and Jacob Kane. And he's also the one who shoots Luke. Yeah. Uh, and gets away with it, essentially. He gets away with it because the way police forces work and that was their um black lives matter in that those series of episodes and he was the uh the poster boy for that yeah I mean, he's played really think, well yeah and i was gonna say i think they actually handled that well because again this season been a patchwork made up of so many different like, side plots or subplots it, i thought they handled that one fairly well and that's it was after he got shot Luke wanted to get revenge. That's where we first see John Diggle in the first place. Yeah, um, and his character was super consistent. You know, he was one of those few, one of these, the villainous side stories that was clear-cut. As soon as you saw him, you're like, oh, he's a corrupt cop. He's a piece of shit. And <laughs> he is, uh, like, you know, he has that face. He has that, the way he is, and like a jock. And you're like, oh, I just want this guy to get punched in the face. <laughs> and he does it well. He does it well. He's a guy. He's big. Um, you know, and he's and he's got a problem with everyone. It, it works, integrates well into the show. Um, and, but and he's only a like a henchman, a goon essentially. Yep. So 
he doesn't need a whole bunch of screen time to set up what his motive is. We'd know he's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely get that from the performance. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. One one of his other ones, they wish washy, well, a little wish washy with, was the Angelique Martin uh, love relationship between that character and Ryan. Um, Angelique, played by Bevan Brew, was in one of the group homes from Ryan's past. Is her, right. if the reason she was in prison also happens to be like the, one of the cooks for Snakebite. Um, and I was over her when they had broken up, like I think halfway through the season. And then she comes back and I'm like, ah. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, I wasn't too interested in in that character. It dragged a little bit. Yeah, what connected them. Going back to when they were young, Candy Lady. That yeah. was pretty interesting. Where the the lady that was luring the kids away with sweets. Yeah, and the fact because she was like a middle aged uh, white suburban house lady, no one suspected she was picking at. Uh, risk use that people were just ex- were not going to look for um and yeah it, and the kind of human trafficking and it was quite dark but it was also i think that worked really well for me because you know, as a kid you know being going to school in the 90s i remember the don't talk to strangers don't accept candy from strangers don't go past a certain point on the oval um without unless there are teachers around that kind of stuff we got taught in school so that i'm like that hit back in those yeah those memories for me um and it's a and it was clean and uh it wrapped up fairly fairly cleanly as well and quickly you know it's the a villain of the week but it all fit well it was well constructed i think that's probably one of the things that they needed to keep kicking around well things like that were always welcome. That was actually adding to Ryan's character. Yeah. There's all these other characters that we're talking about. They're not specific to Ryan. Now, I get it. Like, it's a Bat Team show, which is the new Batwoman. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that it's more focused on her in that next season. Yeah. And, still, yeah. That's, you know, and that's a all, big point. All these CW heroes have a team, like Team Flash, Team Arrow. That's, that's fine. But you still have the hero out front being the hero. So I'm hoping she gets more of a spotlight in the third season. Yeah. And like you said, a, a villain that's focused on her specifically, not Batwoman. Oh, and, but I have all my stuff is affected to Kate Kane or the Canes in general or yeah. that other they, character they, on your Bat team. Yeah, but they did make it so there was a connection between Alice and. Ryan, because Alice was responsible for the death of her mother. She's not though. That's the thing that annoyed me. I mean, that's she wasn't. Had she didn't order. Yeah, that was yeah, that but, was the the through line for the most of the season. Yeah, yeah, and that's that was one of the things that I think annoyed me about it because she wouldn't let it go. But it was like it wasn't Alice. It was Alice's gang. Alice rocks up and goes, "What have you done? Time to move out." And I'm like. Why are you focusing so much on Alice? Is it because she's the only face out of that gang that you can actually? Well, I should say though, she wasn't. She wasn't directly involved, which is no, the part that. No, uh, but it's 
it's Alice is a gang. And it, I guess yeah. for the writers, it was a way of having a connection between the villain of the first season and the hero of the second season, the death of her mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Again, I, I think they need to have something stronger for season three, which they now they've gotten all of this and the characters established and you have the chemistry and the comfortability with her. They should have, I mean, you know, they've got a big roster of villains you can still draw from that have not been used yet and have been like tied into Kate Kane. But yeah. I'm, I am looking forward to seeing how they, how they deal with that. You know, me too. Yeah. I definitely do want to see more of this show. Like, are we going to get more Wallace Day hunting down Bruce Wayne? You know, there's, yeah, but it, like you say, it has to be more focused on the character of Brian Wilder. Yeah. Um, and with them disbanding the crows, that's a set they can now use to expand the Batcave, which I'm hoping and find, <laughs> happens. And, and find even more things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, like the Batcave, Season one, I'm just like, eh, I don't believe this is the standard back cave. You know, like, I, like it, this is the effective one for when he's in the office. We all know yeah. the proper back caves underneath Batman, uh, Wayne Mansion. Yeah, but it's like um, in in the Nolan films where he had bunkers all over the city. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. It was like yeah. just one of the many bat bunkers. Yeah. So the fact that it has multiple rooms, it's like, ah. Oh, so we're going to use those rooms in season three, right? Like, I would like to see this. It's also, what's going to happen. Hey, did yeah. you know there's another room through here? And then suddenly the back cave opens up. Hey, yeah. there's a big hey. dinosaur in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, there's a bat boat. Hey, there's yeah. a bat plane. There's a, there's a giant helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that sort of stuff. Or, you know, like Wayne Mansion is empty. Like... I mean, they did again just use the same building that they used for uh, Luther Mansion in Smallville and the Queen Mansion for Arrow. Like that's I was very also, aware. That's the X Mansion as well. Isn't it? it is, yeah. It is a very building. famous. Yeah, <laughs> they just redress it and shoot it from different angles and different lighting, and they uh, make it look like a completely different place. Okay, I mean, we're talking architecture now. I think we're at the point <laughs> where we could probably rate this season. Yeah, so for me, um, given the the hurdles they overcame uh, and had to overcome, but also the, the inconsistencies it created over a whole over the season, uh, I'll probably have to give this season a three out of five, um, just because it's it's restrictions and the things that it had to deal with from behind the scenes avoided them from really hitting, I think, the highs they had on season one, um, and but have done the establishing work, establishing uh, work for what will hopefully be a vastly improved season three, also with COVID being slightly more under control now with the cast and crew in probably being vaccinated because of how things are at in the US right now. That gives them more options for shooting bigger things and not having to think so small and off their feet. But yeah, I think three out of five, given those issues that on the backside that clearly affected what 
we saw on the show itself. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm also going to come in at a three out of five. I do like the character of Ryan Wilder. Uh, there's there's a few things that set up here that I'd like to see see more of. Yeah, I, like we've said, just a season that's more focused on the character of Ryan Wilder and not just Batwoman. And, you know, with the additions of characters like Rene Montoya, I'm optimistic for a third season. Yeah, but this, like I said, this season clearly had many problems. Like your your lead left. COVID <laughs> happened. <laughs> that's a big thing to happen to, like a big show like this. Uh, but they managed to come back from it. When they got to the point where they introduced Wallace Day as Kate Kane, on one hand, you're like, you could have just done that. Yeah. That could have, you could have just done that with no explanation. It's just another actor playing James Bond. You don't acknowledge yeah. it. It's just the next film. But they yeah. chose to introduce this new character, which again, we both clearly like. But then we also got KK later on, which does feel a bit of an add-on. But it, it's it's a fun show. I did enjoy watching it. Yeah, three out of five. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as you know, as we both stated, they've, they've. It feels like they've gotten all this out of the way and survived the craziness that was twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, and probably have. And have set up a trajectory that looks very promising for season three. Well, that's it for our episode all about Batwoman season two. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.